Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording Lost in the Woods. Welcome back. So I know that we were gone last week. Thank you everybody for being nice about us not being here last week. We Uh, do appreciate it. Yes, and we are so excited to be back. And today we are actually bringing you the case of Daniel Robinson. Mm -hmm. Now, if you haven't heard about Daniel Robertson, he is the 24-year-old geologist who basically arrived at his job site in Arizona and 15 minutes later would leave and never be heard from again. And there would be a string of strange occurrences that would baffle everybody in this case. Daniel was born on January 14 of 1997 in Columbia, South Carolina. His parents were Melissa and David, and they called him Danny. He had an older brother and three sisters, and two of his sisters were actually twins. Hmm. Now, Daniel was born without his right arm from his forearm down, but his family said that he never let this stop him from doing anything. He was determined to be a geologist, and he also liked to play music. He played the trombone and the French horn. He graduated from SC, or South Carolina, with honors. He was also part of the geology club and joined the Lambda Theta Phi fraternity in college. So, sounds like he really thrived and did really well in college. Now, he graduated in 2019, and he graduated with his Bachelor's of Applied Science focused in geology and earth science. He loved hiking, and he loved nature. He then went on to work as a docent for the Mace Brown Museum of Natural History. And a docent sounds like somebody who gives tours or educates people who come into the museum. He also worked as a circulation assistant at the Adelstone Library in Charleston. And he worked both of these jobs for about three years before he moved to Phoenix, Arizona, where he was hired in 2013 by Matrix New World Engineering. And he would be a hydrogeologist for this company. A hydrogeologist? Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess that, like... Um looks at, like, where water once was in rocks, like, evidence of water being there in rocks. You're close. So they really study the way that water flows through dirt and rock underground. Not what I, not what I thought. Well, and this, I, I think they do a lot of studies for, like, drilling and wells. So. Not as exciting. So Maddie's thinking more, like, you have you have to think, like, making money at being a geologist. Like, it's going to be a little more boring than that, probably. Boring. Boring. (laughs) Not fun. I want to look at rocks. Maddie just wants to go to work and stare at rocks all day. So if there's a job for that, it is funny. I will walk around and find you the prettiest rock. Well, it's funny, too, because his parents said that he would never leave anywhere without, like, a pocket full of rocks. Like, he had a rock collection. He was always collecting rocks. Yeah, that's me. People, I'm like, yeah, I have a lot of rocks. They're like, oh, that's cool. And they actually come into my room and see all my rocks. And like, oh, fuck. 
You do have a lot of rocks. You weren't kidding. I was like, yeah, those, that box over there, that's full of rocks. I'd- and she's got her sister Phoenix, like, leaving places with, like, pockets of rocks. When we went camping last time, my camp chair had the cup holder full of rocks, and they are now spilled in the back of my car. <laughs> yeah, but Phoenix is forced to keep her rock collection outside. Yeah, so she comes home with a bunch of rocks, and I'm like, go put them outside. By your playhouse, like go find go find a home outside for them. They do not rocks do not live inside. So now the porch of the playhouse is covered in rocks. rocks. <laughs> it's fine. Now, Daniel also worked a side job for a delivery service, like a food delivery service. Um, so I'm thinking like a Uber, Uber or Eats. like yeah, something like that. I don't know exactly what they have in Phoenix, but it was something like that. Things started to sort of get a little strange for Daniel, according to friends, family, co-workers around June of 2021. So on June 12 of 2021, he delivered food to a woman who invited him in to hang out with her. Now, after this, he continued texting her and seemed very interested. But based on the text messages, she did not seem as interested in him and he actually told his family that he was in love with her he did repeatedly show up to her house unannounced which she asked him not to do so that was kind of strange for everybody that he was that he seemed so interested in this girl Mm -hmm. and then on Wednesday June 23 of 2021 Daniel was sent to a well site at 9 a.m. And just so you know, by 9 a.m., it's already 90 degrees out. 9 a.m., 90 degrees. Hot. Very hot. Now, this job site was in Buckeye, which is on the west side of Phoenix. And the site was near Sun Valley Parkway and Cactus Road. So this is the desert. This is the desert. We are officially in the desert. His coworker Ken Elliott arrived at 9.15, and this would be the first time that the pair worked together. They talked about the weather and the job, and Ken said that Daniel really wasn't making sense in some of his comments. So, like, Daniel asked Ken if he wanted to rest and if he wanted to rest in Phoenix. Right, and Ken said that he just assumed that Daniel was very distracted. He didn't really know. I mean, he didn't know Daniel at all. Yeah. So he didn't know how he normally worked or how he normally behaved. So he's probably just thinking, this guy's kind of strange. And then at this point, Daniel does something very strange. He actually walks to his car and leaves. Now, he did not say anything before doing this. And Ken initially thought that he was just going to get something out of his car. But instead, he got in, he put on his seatbelt, he waved to Ken, and he left. And he did all of this without completing the job that they were there to do. Weird. Super, super weird. He was driving his 2017 bluish-gray Jeep Renegade, and he headed west into the desert. Yeah, so to give you some examples, Buckeye is 12 miles south of where they're at, like the town is. There's a golf club about seven miles north, and there's a monastery about 15 miles west. Everything else is just 
pretty much desert. Weird. Yeah. And he's driving west? The reason that Ken knew that he went west, allegedly, is that Ken saw his tire tracks later on when he went to go looking for where Daniel went. Because I think he stayed at the job site for a while and then was like, um, I guess he's not coming back. Like, he was probably just, like, super confused. Yeah. Oh, I bet. So then Ken called another coworker about the situation, but no one had heard from Daniel. One thing that I do wish we knew. Right now we have Ken telling us the situation, telling us what mm-hmm. happened. But we have no other witnesses. We have nobody else. Yeah. So we have Ken saying that Daniel showed up at the job site, was acting really strange, and then left the job site. Yeah. And Ken is the last person to see Daniel. Mm-hmm. I don't really love that. But... So it's the one thing you were wondering. Like, who is who is Ken? Do we believe him? Is he trustworthy? You know, like, what do we know about him? So at 5 p.m., one of his coworkers went to his sister's house looking for him. Yeah, because he isn't answering his door. And his sister actually lives in Phoenix as well. Okay. So she called her dad, and her dad called the police when no one could reach him. Right, because this is very, very unusual for Daniel. His family hears from him all the time. He always answers his phone. He's always checking in. And police said that they needed to wait 12 hours before officially filing a missing persons report. Yeah, and I get that. He is an adult. As far as anyone knows, he just left a job site. Yeah. You you know what I mean? Like, I get that. But at the same time, like, his family, everybody is saying this is not normal. Yeah, this is not normal. This Something is wrong. Oh, and his dad actually calls back in the middle of the night when they hit the 12 hours early morning to file the report. But now it's the middle of the night and they basically take the report and do nothing else with it. Yeah. Way to, like, follow through, though, Dad. Now, the following day, his family requested a helicopter, and the request was denied. Because at this point, he's still just some guy that left the job site. He's a grown adult. Like, the police are not thinking that there's anything wrong. Location data also, by the way, is not available on his phone because he is out of range or the phone is turned off. Mm. So, it was 104 degrees on the 23rd. So, the day he went missing. 104 degrees on the 24th, 106 on the 25th, 108 on the 26th, 113 on the 27th, and continued to be over 100 degrees for the rest of the week. So hot. Hot as shit. It's hot. It's hot as shit. And he's probably out in the desert somewhere. Yep. Now, police did go to Daniel's apartment on the 24th, but Daniel did not answer the door and police did not go inside. It would actually be July 7 before they would enter his apartment. And I'm assuming this is because they needed a search warrant. If I'm missing family, just break into my house. Right, just break the door. If if I'm going to be rude enough to not answer your calls, break my door down. Yeah. It's fine. Break a window. It's fine. Break in. I wonder, I'm assuming his sister did not have a key. Otherwise, she would have probably gone and opened the door for them. So on June 25th, David flew to Arizona to search for his son. So two days. Yeah. 
Yeah. So police seemed to believe that Daniel had just taken off on his own accord. And I think that's why his dad was like, I need to be there right now because police are not taking this serious. Like, my son is missing. Yeah. Somebody needs to be looking for him. Now, David said that police had told him that they checked with the higher ups and they're the ones who wouldn't approve the helicopter because they said, your son is a grown man and if he wants to leave, he can leave. And we do see this in a lot of missing person cases where it's assumed that somebody just took off. And in some cases, that's what happened. And in other cases, it's not. And it's super unfortunate in this situation. So friends and coworkers did tell police that Daniel had not been himself recently, but he gave no indication that he would take off. David and his daughter, who lived in Arizona, conducted their own search, but nothing was found. Right, and I'm assuming that people telling police that David had been a little off lately probably didn't help. You know, like police might have thought that was a reason for him to take off or obviously he was stressed or something. So the first search that police would do was three days after he had last been seen. They sent out search teams, but they found nothing. Okay. So on July 27th, after pressure from the family, the Arizona Civil Air Patrol, along with Buckeye Police, did an extensive search by air and land, but found nothing. And I heard that it was Daniel's aunt that called police. (laughs) And from that conversation, they launched another search. Good for them. Police did obtain limited call detail records. And it did not appear that he had made any calls or sent any texts after leaving the sites. They did also check hospitals. Right. So basically, he has not used his phone. At all. At all, since he left the job site. That is very concerning. The family did hire a private investigator named Jeff McGrath to help with the search and to get more information. But they still found nothing. Now, on Monday, July 19, a rancher found Daniel's vehicle in a ravine on his property. The Jeep appeared to have rolled into the ravine and was laying on its side. It was about four miles from the job site. The terrain here does make it a little difficult and probably contributed to air searches not finding the vehicle. Uh-huh. And let me show you. Yeah, let me see on a map where this man was. That's the car. Oh, shit. So it's rolled over on its side. This is a very big ravine, by the way, guys. This is an air view of where the vehicle is. It's that little speck right there. Now, one thing that makes it a little unfortunate for this vehicle is it is almost exactly the same color as the bushes and shrubs all around it. Yeah, it is. It totally is. It totally, like, if I'm looking at the air view that they were supposed to be able to sight this freaking Jeep, no. It it's so unfortunate. One thing that that is weird is how where this vehicle landed or where it ended up. It's very strange. So this is where it gets even weirder. Mm-hmm. His phone, wallet, computer, and keys were all inside the vehicle. His pants, shirt, underwear, and boots 
everything he was wearing that day was found about three feet from the vehicle in a pile on the ground. So he crashed, stripped, and ran? I mean, I don't know. His safety vest was another foot from the vehicle that he had been wearing that day. They found no blood in the vehicle, even though both front airbags had deployed. But police believed that he may have hit his head, took off his clothes, and walked into the desert. Or ran into the desert. Who knows? That's literally nuts. Right? I mean, I honestly don't know. After the car was found, police got together with outside agencies and brought in searchers, dogs, helicopters, all-terrain vehicles, and drones, and they now searched over 70 square miles. Still found nothing. Ugh. Now, Daniel's dad did hire an accident reconstruction specialist, and they did not believe that the damage was consistent with the car simply going from the road to the ravine. They also downloaded the ACM airbag control manual. Yeah. And it said that the car had driven for 11 miles after the airbags had deployed. So he was just driving like totally off road and it crashed and his car left and right. And then his airbags went off and he just kept driving. For 11 miles after the airbags deployed. I don't even know how you do that. Also... The engine was attempted to be turned over 46 times. So somebody was trying to get the car started up again. Yeah, like intensely. That's a lot. 46 times is a lot. Yeah. And you're trying to start a car that's laying on its side. What's your plan? Well, obviously we can tell that he's not in the best state of mind since he... um. Took off his clothes? Yeah, since he stripped and ran to the desert naked. I, mean, I don't... It's so bizarre. And I will say, we don't know if he had other clothes in his vehicle. I don't yeah, think... true. I don't think there's any way to know if he did or not, but I don't know why he would change his clothes. No. Why would he change his clothes? I mean, it is really hot out. Maybe he was in, like, more business professional clothing. Maybe... I mean, who knows? He could have changed his clothes. So we are assuming that he's out in the desert roaming naked right now, but we don't actually know that for sure. Yeah. It gets a little stranger. Because this report also determined that the crash occurred around 1 p.m. That is four hours after he was last seen but the Jeep was crashed only four miles away from the job site. And we know that he drove 11 miles after the car initially crashed. So he's just like literally off-roading around in the desert? I honestly don't know. Like, he's just driving around. What, what? I don't understand. I don't. It doesn't make any sense. He's four miles from the job site. Mm-hmm. But he, at, we know he at least drove his car 11 miles. Well, and it took four hours before his car crashed. So he's doing something for four hours before he even crashes the car. 
But he doesn't make it further than four miles from the job site. Crazy, right? Now, also, remember, he did not use his phone at all. Yeah, not once. So there's not a ton of service out here. Like, service is spotty. He might not have service, but his phone is not used at all. Yeah, he doesn't even try. Now, another thing, there is a bottle of water in his car. So if we're thinking that maybe he got super dehydrated, maybe he waited for help, maybe he went looking for help, something, Mm -hmm. regardless, he does have water in the car. That he doesn't bring. That he doesn't drink or take with him. They also found no indication that he had spent a lengthy amount of time at the car. But he took his clothes off. He doesn't have clothes on. I know. Ugh. A private investigator did find one of Daniel's socks three miles from the Jeep. I could not actually verify that. Oh, okay. So not verified. So maybe That's we're why lying it's to like you. randomly chilling there in the middle of the thing. Yeah. I I read in one place that the private investigator working for the family did find one of Daniel's socks three miles from the Jeep. However, I couldn't actually find where it stated that or where that source came from. Well, so basically don't quote us on that. Or if it's related to Daniel, right? Like his sock could have ended up away, like a bird could have picked it up, an animal. Like there are yeah, other oh, ways yeah. it could have oh, traveled. 100%. Your socks stink. You think an animal isn't going to steal your socks? My cat steals my socks. Okay. Literally, I know I saw a goose running with one of my socks the other day, so. Mm-hmm. September 26th, my birthday, I was probably intoxicated when I, when this happened. Yes, you for sure were. So on September 26th, Daniel's father, David Robinson, had a press conference where he urged police to do more. We're going to play you a clip from that press conference right now. My name is David Robinson II, the father of my loving Charles. Funny, intelligent, confident, jealous, Dan Robinson, Dan Cornelius Robinson. Since childhood, I knew Dan would accomplish anything he put his mind to. He never let, it, let an obstacle get in his way. For example, Dan was born with one hand, as many have found out, but he never allowed that to him to him. When he wanted to play football, he played football. When Danny wanted to learn the French horn, he taught himself. When he wanted to play the trombone, he mastered it. Danny would not let adversity stop him. That is why I can't give up on him. When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just. You have to speak. You have to say something. You have to do something. By Representative John Lewis. On the 23rd of June, I contacted the Buckeye Police Department informing them our son, geologist Daniel Robinson, has been missing for over 12 hours. Officer Cruz notified me that he would send a helicopter out to search for Daniel 
the following morning. On June 24th, however, two hours after our call ended, Officer Cruz informed me that the search was canceled. Because my son was an adult and non-suicidal. The lack of urgency from the Buckeye Police Department prompted me to drive from Columbia, South Carolina to Buckeye, Arizona. Something didn't seem right to me. And the decision was not fair. I could not let my son's life be hinged on a decision to act or not to act. So I added, Daniel, the geologist that witnessed in Buckeye, Arizona on June 23rd, was unknown to the nation until now. But even still, the nation has to watch while two uh, the nation has to watch while little to no action is being taken for my son. After three months, what would it take to call in the call in the available resources? to bring help, to bring in that available resource to help bring Danny home to the one behind him, his mother. To his siblings, standing right here. And to his friends back at home and here. And to me, and to the rest of my family. After three months, what would it, what would it take to get the same level of attention that some get just by being who they are. Daniel is a son, a brother, a cousin, a grandson, a best friend. Daniel deserves to be treated like a human. That yes, yes, yes. With dignity, with respect, with the urgency needed to bring him back home. I'm his father. She's his mother. And we want answers. Yes, we need action. And we want to find our son. No family should have to go through hurdles just, just to find answers and get closure to the pain of not knowing what happened to our loved one. Every case involving a missing person should be treated with the same care and urgency as the next. There's no sorrow less felt by one family member or the other when their loved one is missing. It is all the same. Sorrow, pain, and grief has no color. Yeah, such a hard situation for his family. Ugh. The family has been frustrated with the nonchalant attitude of police. Yeah, and they've been very clear about this from the beginning. Yeah. I actually, when I first started researching this case, I had a lot of trouble finding details about the case because everything, like, newly reported was about the family's frustration with how police were handling it. It was really hard to find information about Daniel, about Daniel's family, about all of that. So in partially re released reports, Buckeye Police lists Daniel Robinson as a missing person. The report is 54 pages long and notes that cops made effort to locate Daniel on June 23rd, 24th, and 25th. It also states that one of Daniel's co-workers told authorities that he was behaving oddly the day that he went missing. And that's probably from Ken I would at assume. the job site. Yeah. Investigators spoke to family, co-workers, and friends, but no one seemed to know where he was. There had been a large rainstorm in the area, and that may have been responsible for washing away any tracks. 
Yeah, making it hard to track. Unfortunate. Now, I did see on 725, there was a flash flood warning. And on the map, Buckeye is part of that area. Hmm. So if there was a flash flood in the area where Daniel went missing, that could explain why. Was there a flash flood, though? Is there any way even to... I don't know. It was the Buckeye Police Department that posted flash flood warning on their Twitter account on 725. But if you think about it, it wouldn't really explain why his clothes were still piled there. Like, if the car was moved to that spot, I would think his clothes wouldn't be yeah, there. Yeah, true, true. So his, it was probably all in the right place. But it might explain why he hasn't been found. On July 31... A human skull was found near the Jeep, and it was sent in for testing, and it was determined that it did not belong to Daniel. What in the actual fuck is going on? So there's just another human skull chilling out in the desert? Yeah. And it's not Daniel's. And it's near where he went missing. And it was actually the family and volunteers who were out searching that found this. And it was just south of where the Jeep was. Like, what is going on? And they could not match it to any other missing person. So just a random fucking head. Yeah. I don't like you saying head. I prefer that we continue to call it a skull. It's a head. It's a human head. I don't know why, but I really don't like that. David did start a petition in an effort to push police to do more in his son's case. He has actually conducted over seven weeks of independent searches with the help of volunteers from all over Arizona. They've brought in their own cadaver dogs. They have brought in their own drones. He has launched a social media campaign to try to bring more attention to his son's case. And I think that when the Gabby Petito case happened, it was very frustrating for Daniel's family because of how nationwide her case spread Mm -hmm. and they had been trying so hard to get attention for Daniel. Yeah, it's so hard because we see this time and time again, like, you know, during that whole uh, Madeline McCain case, did you know that there was an entire other little kid that went missing in almost identical circumstances? Yeah, but that child got no media attention. Yeah, no, I didn't even know that her, that this kid's case existed, like no clue at all. So we wish, I am sure, as Daniel's family and every other family who has missing persons, we wish that it was equal coverage for everyone. A couple things. If you are in the Phoenix area and you want to help Daniel's family, they are still organizing searches every Saturday. Yeah. You can totally join searches. You can absolutely get involved in that. If you know anything about Daniel, if you know anything about his disappearance or anything leading up to the time of his disappearance, please call the Buckeye Police Department at 623-349-6499. Now, Daniel is a 5'8", black male, weighing about 165 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. And we will post lots of pictures of him. Yeah, photos, anything we got to go along with the case, we'll post them all. We will post them all. And please share them. Please help get more information about Daniel's case out. He's still out there somewhere. Yeah. He's out there. And... We don't know for sure that he 
took off on his own. I mean, if you think about the condition of the van, if you think about everything, he could have been, he could have stumbled across something and been being chased. You know, what if he came across something that he shouldn't have seen and somebody was chasing him and that's how his car got damaged and that's how he got run off of the road. Hmm. Maybe Maybe. he was kidnapped. Maybe he was murdered. We do not know. But if you have any information... Let's help figure it out. Let's help find him, guys. Yeah. All right. So that is the case of Daniel Robinson. We really, really hope that his family can get closure in this case and help if you can. We will post. They have a GoFundMe that they are using for searches. We will post that. We will post the website. Go and check out our Patreon Yes, Patreon. Go buy merch. Go buy merch. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Come and check it out. And go look at the pictures of Daniel. I will also post the pictures of the Jeep and the area that it was found as well. So. Sick. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in, guys, and we will see you soon. Okay. Don't mind me. I absolutely threw my phone. So, <laughs> all my belongings on the ground. Maddie just gave me a heart attack. So, we're sitting in the bunker and we've heard the cats playing in the garage for a while now. You've probably heard them too. Sorry about that. And then we hear the garage door opening and Maddie like leapt out of her seat. I didn't know she could actually move that fast. She leapt out of her chair, threw her phone, and went running out of the garage. The cats are fine. They both ran back inside when they heard the garage door because it scared them. But yeah. Okay.